Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hardcore Football. I'm Phil Baki, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We are recording on New Year's Eve Eve. Yeah. Uh, so this is the last the last pod of the year. It is. Yeah. Crazy. 2020 finally departing. Uh, finally. It's, it's long overstayed its welcome. Can you can you think of a year that's felt? I mean, obviously this is hitting new levels, but is there another year that sticks out like 2020 does right now with how long it's it's taken to just end? <laughs> no, not at all. 2020 <laughs> is truly, truly unique. Um, did you see that tweet from uh, Musa Kwanga earlier where he was like, what if 2020 is like needs extra time or something? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was time like, please wasting. no. 2020, yeah. guilty of time wasting. Like <laughs> two 15 minute periods. Like, no, please. Extra no, time. it's weird. Like living through 2020 has felt so long, but now that we're at the end of it, it's like, wow. I mean, as you get older, the time just flies more yeah. and more. So it's it's kind of a weird one. Fast well, and, yeah, and slow. I think looking back on it, you're just like, God, like, well, I don't know. So much happened. And yet, mm-hmm. like, we're all still inside and right, like, like, doing the same things we were doing um, back in March. So, yeah, right. it's, it's a bit strange. It's nuts. Let's hope 2021 is much better. Yeah, it's the only the only hope, I guess. Um, well, before we dive into everything that we've got going on, I guess first things first, just uh, thank you to all of you who have who have started listening, started following, uh, interacting on social media. I, I, I've seen like a lot of great conversations uh, with the the hardcore football account. Um, Lots, Definitely. lots going on. So just thank you to all who are engaged. And if you're not, you can follow us at HXC football on Twitter, and then you can subscribe to the podcast on all the big platforms, um, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts and Google podcasts, all, all have it. Um, and if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to leave a review, um, a five-star review would really help, help out. Um, it just helps with the visibility. So, um, if the platform allows for it and you can leave a review, that would be really great. Um, I don't know. Is there anything that I'm not thinking of before we dive nah. into this? We do, maybe we should acknowledge we were supposed to have an episode before this, Yeah, but it is a lost episode. Sorry, y'all. It was a good conversation though. It was really good. And <laughs> it's funny because yeah, we only have one side of it recorded, unfortunately, um, technical <laughs> difficulties. Uh, so it would sound very strange cause it would be me talking to myself, uh, right. like a psychopath. Luckily <laughs> I've, I've rectified that situation and we, we are capturing Mika's audio this time. So <laughs> yeah, we, we had a whole episode on, on Tuchel's appointment at PSG or his firing at PSG and Pochettino's appointment and talked about the top 100, which is still his, his appointment still not a fish yet. So we can True. still probably talk about it when, if, and when it happens. So yeah, 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 that one's, we'll just have to uh, act like it's a genuine first time conversation. We'll have to bring <laughs> out the, the acting classes for that one. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we we do have a lost episode. It was bound to happen at some point. Um, yeah. with the remote recording, I guess. Um, just unfortunate that it happened. It was it was a a solid sewed, unfortunately, and and I don't know. Uh, the one-sided recording will not be fun to listen to, so I'm not even I'm not going to subject anyone to that, even if <laughs> even if you ask nicely. Um, but this one seems like it's going good so far. As I'm looking at our <laughs> at our levels, and when Mika's speaking, there are waveforms, which is a step in the hey. right direction. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um. Well, I guess we can start. Obviously, 2020 defined by COVID-19 and unfortunately, late in the year, the Premier League still getting hit by by COVID cancellations. Um, First, it was Manchester City Everton that was called off uh, like very late um, before the game. Um, Manchester City with a few positive cases in their camp, some symptomatic players. So they called off that game. Um, Spurs and Fulham, the the game yesterday, I guess, or it would have taken place today, mm-hmm. um, but postponed for the same reason. Spurs camp, Spurs camp or Fulham's camp? I think it, it was, was Fulham. Fulham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fulham's camp um, with with some uh, symptomatic players and uh, and a couple positive tests as well. So Mika, I guess first things first. What do you make? of the COVID cancellations, given the fact that we have seen teams hit by COVID Mm. so far this year, but we have not seen matches postponed for this reason. Yeah. It's it's a little bit different seeing two back-to-back cancellations. Now, obviously you hate to see it. Um, uh, Those of us that are, you know, looking forward to these matches, obviously first and foremost, I hope the players are okay, obviously, and their staff and the families, you know, the health and safety of the players is paramount. I think we sometimes forget that they are human beings too, with their own (laughs) families and, you know, worries and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one. Cause I've, I I don't know that I was, was able to like double check this, but I thought I had saw something about, how the testing had changed in in terms of frequency. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, now they're going back to like two tests weekly or something like that. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. And now we're like seeing a lot of <laughs> these results come out um, with, right. you know, testing more frequently again, who knows? Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot been made in the news about this new variant of, of coronavirus and mutation that's, you know, taking place in the UK and maybe that's got something to do with it being that it seems like it's more infectious. Um, right. Hopefully, I mean, again, I'm no epidemiologist, but hopefully by it being more infectious, it's less deadly. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously the, you know, the players welfare is, is taken into consideration and hopefully they, they are just, um, you know, suspended for the time being and they'll be able to play these fixtures because I think it would be really, really detrimental if the league were to pause again um for a myriad reasons um yeah. that i could probably speak on for an entire pod but <laughs> yeah it's uh it's unfortunate yeah and i think it's interesting because um well the the city everton game in particular is interesting due to everton's response um mm. everton was not happy about no. the game being called off and now 
Liverpool has been placed back under like the city of Liverpool has been placed back under tier three restrictions like the, uh, the rest of the country. So they will not be allowed to have fans at matches. This was essentially Everton's like last chance to get people into Goodison before the lockdown began again. And, uh, not it didn't happen their statement seemed pretty bitter about the whole situation yeah do you i mean do you think it's simply driven by that desire to to take play the match do you think it's tied to everton's like confidence going into this game yeah where do you think that bitterness comes from yeah no i think you're i think you're right to bring up their response because it was pretty spicy and they (laughs) kind of said something along the lines of you know, we're demanding a full kind of investigation. Maybe that's not the word, but into the facts of, of what led to the cancellation. And yeah, I mean, for Everton, I think, you know, see where they are on the table. They've been playing very well. Um, they're competing. And, you know, I've seen some people who are pretty cynical say, you know, oh, it's, it's just about the money. They want to get bodies through the door. Well, actually, when you have that little amount of people 2000 in this case yeah it probably actually costs you more because then you've got the stewarding police um you have to have x amount of people working um Mm -hmm. you know for that kind of event when you know and it quickly becomes negligible so i i I don't buy that it's about money i think it really is about you know their ambitions for this season and and they are in a good spot and you know fans from liverpool of of both blue and red sides are are very intense and i'm i'm sure it's helped them to have people uh, at Goodison, um, you know, cheering them on. So yeah, I can see the the frustration, but um, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see when the, those facts do come out. I don't know if they make it public or, or what yeah. have you, but all I all I understand is Sydney have a bunch of players that have tested positive. So right, and that's I think ultimately the thing that probably would be most beneficial is there needs to be quite a bit of transparency surrounding these decisions because. Right. I think when it is vague and when it's these decisions are made kind of independent of any seeming like sort of, you know, the statement was there was an outbreak Mm -hmm. in city's camp, but it's like, okay, there's all of these different guidelines, restrictions. Are they not following them? Are they like not playing, but like, how did this happen? I guess first and foremost, but the second is, there needs to be some level of transparency around it because with these teams playing each other and with these teams interacting like on the field, like if there is something like this going on, the other team should be informed, I think. And especially with Everton hosting the match with them not being privy to the decision to postpone until it was announced kind of officially, there was no like, communication before it was officially announced that's how everton found out um that like a mutual decision (laughs) yeah that's kind of unacceptable and it leads to the sort of thing that i mean we saw in italy like earlier this year where you know napoli was told by local health authorities that they couldn't travel to a game against juve and the italian fa awards a 3-0 forfeit win like to juve so it's yeah that's the sort of like weird stuff that starts to happen when all the parties aren't involved in the decision-making and aren't like, they don't know what's actually going on. So I think, I think Everton's complaint in that department is certainly valid. Now the idea that city is like gaming COVID restrictions to get out of a fixture, 
that's like a bridge too far for me. I as as much as I as cynical as I can get about City Football Oof. Group, the idea that they would like fake a COVID outbreak in order to like give players time to recover or something is I don't think they're that bad. Like <laughs> there's a lot of terrible things. Oh my things goodness. That-, <laughs> I, that hadn't even crossed my mind, but I mean, we kind of do have to think about these things, don't we? Uh, I I don't I really wow. don't think that's why. Like I really <laughs> even the most cynical part of me, I can't really believe that they would game it that bad, but um I do think all parties like just need to be involved in these decisions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. The the league has come out and said that there's no there's no kind of feeling towards pausing the Premier League. Um, So we'll see. But then again, like. So just having to replay these matches is going to be a nightmare for those sides. So it'll be interesting to see what what they what they end up doing. Yeah, and it will get congested even even further um, trying to make these games up, um, which we're already seeing impacts, I think, uh, through this festive period, as it's normally called. We, we, the matches that were played um, in this kind of midweek match, day, well, it, you can't even call it midweek. These teams played Saturday, and they're playing again on Monday and Tuesday. So, like, yeah, it's, it's not even nuts. midweek. <laughs> It's it's early week, um, I guess. But uh, the games that have played out, a lot of the teams up towards the top have have kind of stumbled here. Leicester City held by Crystal Palace. Chelsea held by Villa, having just obviously suffered that defeat to Arsenal as well. Arsenal pick up a, a, a win against Brighton. We can get into that a little bit. Um, as well to give you a little some positives to speak about. Um <laughs> Manchester United, the one team up towards the top that actually took advantage of of the game uh, that they played early this week, getting that one nil win against Wolves. So as all these big, all the teams at the top, Liverpool held by Newcastle today, nil nil. Somehow, I have no idea. Watching some of the saves by Carl Darlow today uh, made me a- absolutely like apoplectic. Um, <laughs> but. It brings us to our first question of the night. Fernie, United contenders with two question marks? Oh my gosh. It's, I, I have to say, I had to like double check the table to see that they actually are in second. Um, yeah. <laughs> the table is changing dramatically from day to day, it feels, um, with the exception of Liverpool rooted to the top. Um, are United, I mean, yeah, I guess you have to say they are being second. Um, I want to point out that they are pretty bit, you know, massively overperforming their XG and their expected points right now. Maybe massive is a harsh word, but overperforming. I mean, uh, you know, XG has them at, uh, somewhere around 24.7 points and they've got 30, so, I mean, some of you, you know, that are listening may not be interested in the advanced stats, but I mean, they do tend to kind of, you know, show themselves to be accurate come the end of, you know, the end of May when, when they're crowning the champion and seeing how everyone did comparative to these advanced stats. So um, if United want to actually challenge for the title, though, they have to 
SWAT teams like Wolves Away, mm-hmm. SWAT teams like Leeds, not, you know, kind of just, you know, get by. I mean, what what was that, 94th, fifth minute uh, winner for them? Yeah, somewhere. Flexion. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, by virtue of them being second in the table, I will say, sure, they're contenders. I think everyone from Liverpool down to like 12th is a contender right. this season. <laughs> um, so yeah, hopefully that answers the question, but I think, I think we still need to see a bit more from Manchester United. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we didn't, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about obviously the, um, I think we spoke on the Leeds match last and we gave quite a bit of credit to United, which is rare, mm-hmm. um, rare for me <laughs> at least. Um, but I think United are susceptible to the same things that all teams are susceptible to this year, which is there are going to be games where they're flat. There's going to be games where they come out and they don't get a result against a team that they probably should. Um, this United team has obviously improved, I would say, since the beginning of the season. Um, but this is a season, you know, I think a lot of people are pointing to Liverpool's recent draws against West Brom and Newcastle. Now, obviously, not good results by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to excuse those. Um, however, earlier this year, like United lost 3 1 to Crystal Palace. So we can take results in isolation all we want. Contention is about, you know, the body of work over the whole season. Um, So in this moment, United is playing well. They haven't lost in like six or something like that. Mm. Um, But they are drawing a lot, too. And against the big six, that was something that was really interesting that I saw today. They only have one win against the a top six side. Um, so in the top six mini league, um, Liverpool is still top and United is sixth and only Chelsea are lower in the, in the, um, hmm. the top six, like mini league at the moment. So that's the, that would be my concern as a United fan is, yeah, you are getting some, some very good results, but even, you know, boxing day against Leicester two two it's not the statement kind of victory that you would, that you'd be kind of hanging your hat on. So the one nil against wolves is a good result. And those are the type of fixtures that as a contender, sometimes you do need a little bit of luck. Sometimes you're not at the races, all that, but I need to see United go out and beat a big team like handily. Yeah. Um, and, and really assert themselves in a game against a big team. Then yeah. I'll, then I'll, then I'll, my, I might come around. <laughs> I won't be happy well, about it, but I might like understand a little bit more. Can you imagine if this ends up being Liverpool Man United fighting for the title? Goodness, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, that, and that is a good point you make about you know, it's a good result to get against Wolves when perhaps you're not at the races. Cause I've said before champions steal points all the time. I mean, that yeah. that's just how it goes. So that is the positive way of looking at the wolves result. Um, I mean, it's positive. It's, it's a, it's a win, a win's a win, but um, right. yeah, I, I, and I still have questions about who is leading the line for Manchester United. I think Anthony Martial was, was kind of deployed there last time out. And I just, 
I think he's hit kind of a wall a bit in his development. And, and I don't know that Cavani is, is, was brought in to kind of like be the guy. I thought, I think he's more, you know, off the bench and right. someone who can contribute, you know, in, in these congested periods of the, of the fixture list. Um, so I don't know. It's not that they have a goal scoring problem necessarily, but uh, the continuity of the lineup is interesting. Um, and, but Hey, maybe they'll, maybe they'll spend in January. And that's another thing that's coming up is the transfer window. So True. I think we'll have a better idea too. Uh, once we see what moves, if any, these, these clubs make. Yeah. Uh, the, and the only other thing for Manchester United, and maybe I'm trying to jinx this into happening, maybe not, <laughs> but I would say any, any sort of absence for Bruno Fernandez, it would be a death sentence to this United team. Like any sort of extended period on the sidelines for Bruno, and they would struggle for fluidity because he's been yeah. the linchpin of everything they've done. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic player, and yeah. I, I think looking at that midfield, I mean, it's him, and then the drop off is quite steep. I would say in terms of current form, I mean, uh, you know, Pogba on his day, yeah, sure, but we, you know, we know what's going on with Pogba at this point. Yeah, uh, Danny Van de Beek hasn't really had a chance I think to prove what he can do I, I don't sure. know what's what's going on there Scott McTominay very functional player same with Fred but again like I said the drop off from from Bruno is massive yeah. <laughs> so yes the keeping him healthy is paramount the um the one team that did have a big blowout win in these early fixtures Leeds United 5-0 over West Brom West Brom and Sam Allardyce fresh off the 1-1 the win against Liverpool, um, if you believe Sa- Big Sam. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but Leeds, um, Leeds get a 5-0 win, absolutely thrash West Brom, and then immediately uh, just fall flat on social media, calling out an Amazon uh, Prime reporter for her comments regarding COVID and Leeds United prom- Leeds United's promotion. Um, so Mika, what did you make of this troll by <laughs> Leeds United and their official account? And there, I guess it is 9.47 p.m. Eastern time the following day. That tweet is still up. Wow. Y'all do anything for clout these days. Good <laughs> Lord. Um, <laughs> well, how about this? Let me give Karen Carney's quote, and then can you tell the listeners what the tweet said? Yeah. And then we'll just dive into it from there. So so Karen Carney, she's on Amazon Prime's Premier League coverage, which I hear is actually quite decent. But um, her quote, this. Uh, Quote, I actually think they got promoted because of COVID in terms of it gave them a bit of respite. I don't know whether they would have gone up if they didn't have that break. Now, the context of this is beforehand, she was giving them loads of praise saying, you know, they run so much. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they ran West Brom off the pitch, this, that, the third. Then she said, you know, but do we see them perhaps blow up because of all the running and Marcelo Bielsa's sides tending to, to fade um, as the physical toll of playing his football takes. Sure. So is the quote, Oh, well I'll let you read the tweet then and then I'll give my take. So the tweet itself, which I really can't believe that it's, it's still up. Um, So it's a, 
like hmm emoji <laughs> quote unquote promoted because of covid then a smiling just a normal smiley face emoji won the league by 10 points wave emoji high at like amazon prime sport basically mm. with 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 the video, Carney's of, video yeah yeah exactly yeah um yeah so <sighs> I've had a lot of time to think about this because I, you know, on a much smaller scale, I also am a woman in sports. So yeah. <laughs> nowhere near Karen Carney's level of being on Amazon or anything. But I mean, you know, we do this podcast. I, mm-hmm. I do writing for some, you know, our local club, of course, is seriously loco. And so I, I am sensitive to the fact that like it, being a woman in sport is, has its own unique challenges. It's hard mm-hmm. for everyone. The, this industry is crazy. I mean, I, I also worked in, in hockey for a bit and saw, you know, there too, how it can be. So um, that's the context that I'm coming from. And perhaps some people might not be able to relate to that and that's fine. Generally speaking, I think the, I think the tweet is in poor taste because it's coming from the official account of Leeds United. I think in a time where it's so where fake news is a thing and where journalists, their livelihoods and sometimes their lives are at danger. Not, you know, that's not the case here, but just generally with the way that, you know, politics and all that and the way of the world is it's, it's, it's nice when you can separate the trolling and the fake news and all that other stuff from official platforms and sources of information, which I think Leeds United's official account should be. Does that mean you don't get to have a little bit of fun? Of course not. I mean, that's, you know, engagement's also a thing. Like if you're just totally informational and not funny or cheeky at all, like it's boring. No one wants to interact with you. Right. And interactions equals money. I get that. But this, this, I, I felt went a little too far because you're attacking her basically um, by, you know, putting the video out there and I've spoken with other people who have, you know, a different opinion. And I appreciate that. I always like to speak with others who, who think differently and who have said, well, you know, journalists, they get to say whatever the hell they want. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's their job is to literally have takes, you know, hot yeah. or not, I guess. Sure. Um, and every once in a while, perhaps it's appreciated that they, you know, have a response to, to the take they're, they're giving. And, you know, her saying they got promoted because of COVID, is that maybe a bit of a lazy way of putting it? Perhaps. But I think actually she has a point. I mean, <laughs> that break helped. It helped a lot of people, not just leads. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does. I think it is a little bit lazy the way it was worded, but I really don't think that it warranted the official Leeds United account attacking her basically and inviting yeah. people. Well, not inviting like outright, but giving people a reason to pile on and and naturally a lot of that stuff became sexist and just hateful yeah and um you know it was disappointing to see players like Mateusz Klik and Ben White kind of join in on it owner Andrea Raritzani said you know I take responsibility for the tweet what she said was disrespectful and I, I on one hand I can kind of see that because like you see in the Leeds documentary how hard and how much sacrifice it took for them to come back to the Premier League after mm-hmm. nearly two decades. So to see someone like say like, oh, it's because of a global pandemic. <laughs> like right. I can see how that's a little bit hurtful, but still like the official account really shouldn't be. I think it's yeah. such a fine line and I think they crossed it in this case. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the I think that the issue is in the the manner in which it's presented. Um because they easily could have kind of thrown a like they could have thrown shade at that comment without specifically showing that clip without specifically mm. like basically putting this one journalist on blast. They could have made a sideways reference to it and no one would have ever known like any different. Right. They would have been, you know, if they had made some kind of funny comment regarding like, oh, five nil because of COVID type thing. No one would have thought any different. And no, certainly no one would have attacked cat like that would have been which would have been the best outcome. Mm-hmm. No one would have gone after this journalist because let's face it. The amount of takes in a given Premier League weekend from the likes of Tim Sherwood, Michael Owen, Owen Hargreaves, like all of these talking heads, Steve McManaman, like all of these talking heads who have all this screen time, they say a bunch of shit that is so dumb. And yeah. no official accounts are reposting videos of Tim Sherwood talking out his ass. Aside from when uh, he is literally talking about how he's not worried about Liverpool scoring from the corner and then they do. Um, yeah. But... But like 99 times out of 100, these pundits are free to say whatever they want. And yes, like sometimes they get called on it, but they get called on it by people on the Internet. Like they don't get called on it by an official account. And which when it is the official account, you are essentially mobilizing your fan base in that direction which in this case, whether they meant it, whether Leeds United like social media manager or whoever like directed this tweet, whether they meant it or not, they were mobilizing their fans against this specific journalist. Like they were yeah. making I mean, they her a target. Yes. Like, For so sure. that is, that is the danger. It's not, it's not that like, cause I, I can understand why they might feel slighted by that comment. Although given Leeds track record in the previous season where they did burn out and lost way too many people to injuries and fell from the promotion places down into the playoffs and ultimately were not promoted the following season, they were promoted quite comfortably and were not doing so hot going into the, the COVID interruption. So, right. The bottom line is that the proof is in the pudding. She has a point. Did she word it the best? Maybe not. But ultimately, Leeds United's official account like mobilized its fan base against a journalist, which is bad, objectively. Right. It just shouldn't happen. Um, and that's, that's, that's where it is, I think. Like, yeah. ultimately. This is an L for Leeds. Uh, yeah i tend to agree um you know it's funny how quickly they can go from the the neutrals favorite premier league team to the leeds united that most remember (laughs) (laughs) um you know the the thing too that really i mean like going for i'm not gonna personally i'm not gonna get bent out of shape about it sure whatever but the thing that really i think bothered me was the fact that many in the comments and a lot of these just like trolling responses were saying she's like the token woman 
in this, I guess, Amazon uh, team of, mm. of, of broadcasters, which to me is outrageous because she has 144 caps for England. Um, right. <laughs> she knows she's won things. Um, she knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the, the, you know, would you ever hear that about a man? No, of course not. I, and that's the part that bothers me is the quote, you can certainly take issue with the quote. And I yeah. do. And in, in some ways, in some ways I agree with it. In some ways I think the wording's lazy, but to attack her for simply existing in a male space, quote, yeah. male space. That's the part to me that's trash. <laughs> so the, la- the last thing I'll say on it is that if I think if we want to rectify this, all we would need to do is get Tim Howard onto TVs in the UK. And oh, my God, we would not have to worry about <laughs> this particular target anymore. Uh he would be the sole the sole target of of any uh of any abuse directed by official accounts and in that case facts it may be warranted i don't know <laughs> you <laughs> oh my god yeah look it's it's unfortunate and now no one cares now no one cares that leads beat west brom 5-0 what a shame yep and uh they came out today came out today and said they completely condemned the abuse that that uh, Karen Carney received which is like she wouldn't have received the abuse if not for your tweet you know yeah. so Eric Eric Andre shooting Hannibal Burris meme like <laughs> who could who shot who Hannibal could, like who who did this who did this um yeah, yeah so that's that's unfortunate. unfortunate um but after this after this week um obviously Lots of fixtures coming up, and we'll talk about some of the fixtures uh, coming up in the new year. Um, but the table at the end of 2020, uh, Liverpool top on 33 points, Man United just behind um, on 30 points with a game in hand. So a chance to go level on points with Liverpool if they um, if they win this weekend. Um, Leicester in third level with Everton um, on 29 points uh, in third and fourth, respectively Villa up in fifth above Chelsea um, on goal difference, both level on 26 points and actually Tottenham level on 26 as well in seventh and city and Southampton. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Hold on. So yeah, Villa, Chelsea, Tottenham's man city and Southampton are all level on 26 points. That is fifth down to ninth. Uh, West Ham and Leeds United, 10th and 11th. Um, <laughs> Wolves in 12th, two points behind Leeds. Arsenal in 13th, uh, just one point behind Wolves. Then Newcastle, Palace, Burnley, Brighton. And then in the in the drop zone, Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United still occupying those bottom three places. But holy cow. Goodness me. Yo, Aston Villa fifth when they were so lucky to not get relegated last season. Yeah, I mean, shows what a good transfer window can do, huh? Absolutely, and <laughs> and I guess uh, for a team like Villa, one season of stabilization was enough to make them a legitimate like Premier League club. It's, uh, it's madness goodness just the one season if they had if they had not survived like we may not have seen them for a long time yeah and and locking up Grealish I think too probably mentally as much as on the pitch was a boost sure so wow yeah 
all to all to play for and there are mixtures of games in hand and stuff like that city have a couple of games in hand because of the postponement tottenham obviously as well so this will like mix up a little bit presumably over the next couple of days or a few days as they play out the remainder of these fixtures to get everybody back level on 16 um but yeah there's uh there's a lot going on and it it's worth mentioning that villa are fifth with two games in hand on mm-hmm. uh, on a couple of the teams above them, so in theory they could they could go even higher than than fifth. That's, that's just insane! Wow, I'm just happy that Arsenal are putting some wins together. Yay! I want to. I mean, I want to give you a little <laughs> bit of room to talk about it before we move on. Um, oh, <laughs> Arsenal! Arsenal defeating Chelsea. Chelsea were like you know heavily favored i would say and mm. arsenal arsenal put uh well maybe finally met arteta's arteta's percentages have regressed to the mean and and <laughs> they outperformed their xg on this one and then uh yeah. and then a, a win against brighton to to show that hey they can maybe feed off some of that momentum a little bit yeah, I, I'm I'm hesitant to say that we've actually turned a corner, but I mean, two wins on the trot is is nothing to, you know, be upset about. Certainly, there's a bit of a youth movement going on at Arsenal right now with the likes of Emil Smith Rowe, Gabby Martinelli, Bukayo all getting a lot of minutes. And long may it continue because I'm so tired of seeing Pepe, Willian, just these overpaid stars <laughs> do nothing. Um, so. So, yeah, I, but, you know, with the Brighton game in particular, though, I thought the selection from Brighton was really strange. They had no recognized striker on the pitch to start. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, Brighton's always a banana peel, I think, for Arsenal because we didn't beat them since 2017. Um, yeah. So and I think a lot of that is not not because Brighton necessarily outplay us every single time, but because they have a lot of pests in this team and Arsenal just we love to just fall into those traps. And, and on, in this one, they sat Mopai, which I thought was weird. Mm-hmm. No Danny Welbeck to give us like a, a physical challenge. So, um, but yeah, second straight win and a road win in the Premier League. So I'll take it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Liverpool slip up at St. James Park and yeah, Oof. Carl Darlow, enemy number one, uh, you know, public enemy number one um, in Liverpool. I feel like keepers head. always do a madness against you guys. It's, <laughs> It's a it's a tradition, uh, and it goes back long long before Klopp, long before uh, it. It's just ever since I've ever since I've paid attention. Yeah, everybody turns into peak uh, Casillas against us. Um, I don't know what it is, um, but do you do you are you worried at all? I, I've seen some suggestions that Klopp's substitutions or lack thereof are annoying to some uh, fans. What Do you have any takes on that? I think, so I think first and foremost, this match was an example of if someone's like, what does Genie Wijnaldum like bring to Liverpool? That was a perfect example because the connection was a lot more disjointed in terms of like progressing the ball through midfield with James Milner in there. And I'm not like, crapping on Milner or anything like that, but it just shows like the difference between yeah. a Wijnaldum and a Milner. I saw um, people calling it like a Brexit midfield. I'm like, yeah, you mean <laughs> <laughs> the midfield was a little agricultural, I suppose, but I mean, it, these are still 
title winning players. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, so I think that's, that's kind of number one. Um, you know, how do we replace that sort of intangible quality of Wijnaldum if he does indeed leave the club, uh, at the end of the year? Um, that, that concerns me slightly. The, the substitutions, I think, I think he's in a tough spot because attacking wise, Minamino has grown, but off the bench has not made the impact that like you need, you would expect from a, from an attacker coming off the bench. Divock Origi is a shadow of his former self. I'm fairly certain that he did some sort of like ritual prior Uh to the, the Barca like remontada. Um, (laughs) And that was his, you know, once corner taken quickly, like he just was, I don't know. He's just completely like ineffective now. Um, So I think Klopp is reluctant to put him on because I don't think he really trusts him to, to do like, anything um and jota being out is like a massive miss um the one thing i will say that i'm super optimistic about is tiago had a 15 minute cameo today and Mm. was unbelievable which is it's still kind of stunning to watch because you think okay like is he is a player like really that transformational like can one player really make that big of a difference Tiago, every single time he touches the ball, it's like it's like watching Beethoven perform. <laughs> nice. It's like it's like being in the room with the Beatles. I don't know. It's like that level of where you're just yeah. watching and you're just like in awe. Like mm-hmm. I can't believe I get to watch this. He and is an artist for sure. So uh just my last word on it is I got all kinds of hate in my heart for Richarlison for depriving us like of more Tiago this season. <laughs> so yeah. Fuck you, man. That well, was as Dave Chappelle always says, if you have hate in your heart, let it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I guess we've spent, um, probably more time than we should on the premier league, but, um, we got a bunch more to talk about. What do you say? Maybe a quick break and then we'll talk some La Liga for sure. La Liga um the only other major league that was like in action um between this weekend and and now um similar story to the Premier League in that the big teams I mean you call Brighton you call Brighton a banana peel for Arsenal um well Real Madrid and Barca both stepped on banana peels this weekend too Barca Barca's one one. Abar continue to just get results against the big boys. It's crazy. I saw I saw an insane tweet after the match that uh, from a uh, journalist journalist in Spain saying if you if all of the citizens of Abar attended the match at Camp Nou, there would still be seventy thousand seats left. 
(laughs) (laughs) So just, you know, levels between this, these two clubs who just happen to play in La Liga together, which is, I mean, just insane. Ibar is 16th place and they managed to get a result here of Barca. Just, I think they capitulated. And I think a lot of, I mean, Martin Brathwaite had a terrible game. Just (laughs) nothing would go right for him. Uh, Missed the penalty for a foul that I thought was harsh anyway. So I wasn't too bothered about him missing that one. And then he scored what he thought was the opener and was offside. So, um, yeah, I mean, 1-1 at Camp Nou, huge result for Abar. I think any if anyone could get points at Camp Nou, it's always a good thing. Um, but Barca, I mean, just more of the same stuff. I feel like everyone, the more I watch Barcelona this season, the more I feel like everyone in this Barca side wants the ball to feet. No one's making runs. It's very static. Mm-hmm. Um you know, with the exception of maybe Usman Dembele when he's healthy and, and sometimes Pedri, depending on where he plays. Sure. And Usman does have a really, a really nice goal with some nice passing play um, that, you know, that doesn't happen unless he darts into that space um, from junior fear post cross. I think it was. So yeah, I mean a, a nice little bit of quality, but this messy list Barca just, I mean, if you can't beat a bar without Messi, it's pretty, that's pretty bad. I think they should be, you know, smacking a side like this messy or no messy. Yeah. I think, I think it's crazy getting this glimpse into post messy life. Cause obviously in the past Messi, you know, Messi hasn't been perennially mm. available. He has been like more available than maybe any other player on earth in terms mm. of his health. But, um, we have seen Barca in the past minus Messi and it, the level of drop off is not normally as steep. Like obviously it's very steep given he's the best player in the world, but when you know, you were supplementing his absence with the likes of, you know, if we go back with Pedro and David Villa mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Samuel Eto and like these are the the players surrounding Iniesta like these are the players surrounding him rather than like he's not playing so it's Pedri is kind of playing in his position Antoine Griezmann is trying to fill his shoes even Mm -hmm. though we know that that's not really his his best role um so it's just getting this glimpse into post messy life for Barca I think is I would be extremely troubled, not just by the fact that obviously Barca haven't, they're not at the level that they, that they would expect to be um, this season, but I don't know in a way that is similar to, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, leaving United, Arsene Wenger, leaving Arsenal. Like when Messi departs Barca, it's going to have like a big impact on this team and whether he departs, you know, because he's retiring or, departs for greener pastures elsewhere to finish his career. Um, I don't know that we are finding the bottom yet because this Barca side hasn't really been stabilized um, to prepare mm-hmm. for Messi's departure. And yeah, I think, I think it could honestly get worse, which is weird to say for Barcelona, but I think we haven't necessarily seen how bad it might get um, once, uh, once Messi's void is, is very real. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, speaking of him potentially moving on, he's been talking. He's been talking a lot about it without really saying much. Um, Although 
I did notice and others in, you know, the media pointed out that he kind of came out with something new recently because he's always said that he would like to um, either end his career at Barcelona, which, we, you know, probably won't happen now, or maybe go back to Newell's Old Boys. Mm-hmm. This week he said he's always wanted to play in the United States. <laughs> what did you make of that? I was, That's new. I've, I've, I've heard him, like, you know, entertain them all that stuff, but to actually say, like, yeah, playing in America would be cool. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you what do you kind of think about that? I I'm maybe he went on like a particularly good vacation or something. <laughs> I don't, he uh, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure the sales pitch has been out there. Like, I I highly doubt that his agent hasn't fielded calls from the likes of of you know, um, I guess David Beckham in, involved at into right. Miami, like the the big kind of glamour clubs i guess in mls the the destinations that have existed for the big aging stars um in in world football la galaxy they can offer um i think a a pretty interesting life to a to a footballer who's like getting up there in terms of his career so messi you know i'm sure it i'm sure it's appealing the idea of like living a you know crazy life in Miami or or LA um the only thing that i think would not be uh appealing to him is you know tax laws are pretty strict over here <laughs> they're they're strict <laughs> but uh i can tell you there's many ways to, to yeah. plan around that yeah um, absolutely <laughs> yeah i i i think it would be obviously i mean he would destroy mls like just never even get out of second gear right i mean do we really think there'd be i I don't know i think he'd find playing here infuriating to be honest (laughs) i think everyone would just be trying to like hack him kick him well if he's pissed playing with this barca side right now imagine when like the two guys either side of him in in midfield are like came from like university of dayton or whatever Oh my goodness! What you got against the Dayton Flyers? <laughs> so, I just, I guess, I don't know. It's a, it came to my my newly Ohio brain, but um, but anyways, um, yeah. So Barca, Barca held by a bar at home, and uh, likewise, their their rivals uh, today took on Elche. Real Madrid uh, went to Elche and and a one one draw for Los Blancos. Yeah, I didn't get to see highlights from this game, but I was following a little bit on Twitter. And I mean, it sounds kind of like it sounds like they probably maybe should have gotten a little bit more out of this, although I can't be sure. Either way, dropping points when when your city rivals are, you know, trying to to win the league seriously this season is is obviously not a good thing. And um, I, I think the I think the battle is still Madrid and Atletico. Uh, but Atleti have two games in hand. So, <laughs> you know, Madrid really just cannot afford to be dropping points like this. Um, and yeah, you know, up until then, they were in pretty good form, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe just a blip and something that they get over quite quickly. I don't think that their their issues are nearly as deep seated as they are over in Barcelona. No. Yeah, it certainly seems like they're handling um any potential upheaval like a little bit better um it'll be interesting i think or i think it'll be more interesting one thing that was brought up in 
on on my feed that I saw was the uh, lack of inclusion of Martin Odegaard, who was on the bench for Real Madrid. And despite the fact that they needed a goal and him being the creative player that he is, um, wasn't introduced at any point by Zidane. Yeah, it's... I was actually thinking about this the other day when I was just pondering like what Arsenal are going to do with Danny Ceballos because in the past I've thought it's very unfair the way Zidane treats players, but then when I see how these players play at other club clubs i.e Danny Ceballos I'm like wow maybe Zidane really is a a good um, (laughs) like good uh estimator of talent Mm because Danny Ceballos I like him a lot but he's not reached those those levels that he was at at Betis Mm -hmm. now with Martin Odegaard I I almost start to think is there something similar there where he's seen him and thought you're not good enough right um which I find really hard to believe but again like there's been players that Zidane has frozen out and then you go see them at other clubs and it's like, yeah, you're not good enough. <laughs> I guess I guess the flip side of that though is is Zidane actually ruining players because if mm. if Ceballos was you know, he obviously showed that he was very good at Betis to to entice Madrid into purchasing him in the first place. Likewise, mm-hmm. Odegaard, despite going to Madrid at a ridiculously young age, um mm-hmm. he on loan at Sociedad was amazing. Um, so true. Yeah. So the, I guess the question is like, it it could be that he sees through like the smoke and mirrors and he can like really, uh, like really tell what, what their level is mm-hmm. or he's completely like ruining these players careers <laughs> by yeah, freezing right? them out. I don't know. And I guess we we can't really know until some time has passed. But yeah, I think yeah. in terms of Mo- Martin Odegaard, the player himself, I find it unfortunate because we saw how fantastic he could be when he's that man, you know, at Real Sociedad. And I th- I always thought that him going back was odd anyway. I thought I thought Sociedad, you know, Real Sociedad could use him again for another year on loan, and that Madrid would acquiesce to that. So sure. Yeah, it's just, I hate that. I just hate seeing players, you know, show out at other clubs and then they go back to their super club and just sit there. So, yeah, you, you know, that is a good point. Maybe you're right. Maybe Zidane's just like killing these players. That's just devil's advocate. I've been a, you know, yeah, I've been a Ceballos <laughs> fan for forever. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, seeing some of the performances he's put in lately with Arsenal, it's like, ooh, you know, maybe Zidane saw something that, you know, us fans, obviously, we don't see these players train every day and, and sure. all that. So um, I don't know about Odegaard. That is a strange one. I wanted to watch, I think. the um, There were a couple other crazy results in, in this uh, match. Real Betis uh, against a 10-man Levante. They end up losing 4-3, but they actually trailed 4-1 at one point. Um and yeah. almost turned it around, but not quite for, for Pellegrini's men. Yeah, I mean, they, they put up a bit of a fight. And it's just so weird because Real Betis are not having a good season. Like, they feel trash, but somehow they're 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and they're only, what is it? Let's see. With 19 points, they're only four points above the drop zone. Like yeah. there's like, and they're <laughs> in 10th. <intense>. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, 
bruh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, but yeah, with Levante, they couldn't battle back, which is unfortunate. And they have El Gran Darby coming up. So, and they host, they host Sevilla. So mm-hmm. hopefully, I, I mean, I don't know how much that'll help not having fans there, but, uh, you know, sure. Sevilla, on the other hand, are have been fantastic. <laughs> so yeah. to, yeah. to, you know, go into that fixture off a loss is never a good thing. Yeah. And Sevilla, maybe on the, can be. Sevilla on the flip side with a two nil win over Villarreal, which is a, a really good result um, mm. for Sevilla. Cause I know we had a bunch of question marks about them and like, were they going to be able to start producing at the level that got them to the Europa league final? And, you know, was that disappointment gonna, gonna hang with them for for long um and uh they're back to fourth and their level with Sociedad actually who's in third so they've they've climbed back into the Champions League places yeah so you're a strange one I mean they they continue to get results I think the last time they lost in the league was to Real Madrid but they're still only scoring like one goal maybe two um so I I'm still thinking that if they want to you know, maybe maintain their place in the Champions League places. They probably need to go out and get a striker or something. Cause yeah, a lot of one nils. <laughs> <laughs> um, the crazy, the craziest game in terms of like red cards and everything, Granada, Valencia and Granada find a way to win two one uh, over, over uh, Valencia. Yeah, I wish I could have seen this game. I was following it on FOTMOB when I was at work and like just seeing red cards come up <laughs> over and over. Like, I don't know what happened there. Valencia, they're they're just above uh, the relegation zone, actually equal on points if I had the lead, but it's like, you know, a better goal difference. They haven't had any, any joy in their last, you know, handful of fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, and their fans are hurting, man, because I saw on, you know, come across hardcore football's feed. Someone was like, <laughs> I saw someone like adding like a bunch of different like billionaires and being like, buy my club. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's hardcore footballs become become football club Craigslist. Uh, Please buy my please buy my club. Uh, Yeah, missed connections. (laughs) (laughs) So at Shake Mansoor, uh, do you have one more spot in CFG for my club? Um, people simping, simping you know, for billionaire at Elon Musk by my team. Yeah, at Ro- Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got you got y'all got any more of them wings? Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's um, crazy. Yeah, so uh, as you said, the La Liga table um, in a. I mean, we've talked about it all season, but it is absolutely bound tight um from mm. from top to bottom basically um atleti and real uh at the top so the madrid the madrid clubs uh leading the way atleti top on 35 with well, having played two less games than uh than real uh who's on 33 in second sociedad sevilla and Villarreal are all level on 6 points or 26 points from third to fifth place Barcelona just behind in sixth on 25. Granada is seventh on 24. And Celta Vigo all the way up to eighth. Another win for Celta Vigo over Huesca. So an expected win. But yeah, they're just continue to find a continue to find a way, Celta. 
Celta have been incredible. I mean, again, I I think still their only loss came in that first first outing for for Chachukude with the four two against Sevilla. I mean, mm-hmm. they're incredible. Yeah. Um, it's just it's such a nice story, and and I I think we talked about it last time too. They're spreading the goals around finally. Yeah. <laughs> because Yago Asbaz is not a young man, so it's nice to see <laughs> um, them helping him out in that department. Yeah. Especially with Nolito, because I think the expectation when he showed up was he was going to be one of the best players at the club and it, it hasn't really come together for him. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe he can uh, he can start contributing a little bit more. Um, but yeah, as you said, um, down there towards the bottom, um, Elche and Abar, uh, by virtue of their draws actually crawl out of the, uh, relegation zone or at least relegation danger Mm. relatively Valencia drops down to 17th on 15 points and then Valladolid, Osasuna and Huesca, um, Osasuna and Huesca, like it was, closer there's still just three points from safety technically but they've been stuck on 12 points both of them for a while now it seems like and and things might be getting a little bit more dire for for the teams at the bottom yeah i i, I mean huescar like the quintessential yo-yo club i think they probably will go down and then probably come back up um <laughs> Osasuna, i will continue to say this is a club that is seriously hurting without the fans yeah um, I, uh, you know, obviously at some point you kind of just have to get on with it, but even in, in games where they've been able to score a lot, they either shoot themselves in the foot by getting somebody sent off or just concede, <laughs> you know, late. So, um, yeah, just not, not, not great stuff in Pamplona, unfortunately. Well, uh, that's where La Liga sits in as 2020 comes to a close. Um, And before we talk about the first fixtures of the new year and what we're looking ahead to, um, we were sent a Christian by a question rather by Christian Canales uh, asking our favorite match of 2020. Um, Tough question. Lots of mm. matches have happened uh, throughout the season, but what was your favorite match, either to watch or or whatever, uh, in twenty twenty? Uh, I mean, I I think I have to go kind of predictable and go with the FA Cup final, um, for obvious reasons. Uh, my beloved Arsenal lift the trophy again. Um, I've been blessed to see them lift the FA Cup many times, actually. Um, and I, I I just feel like that was my favorite match because, you know, one, it's a London derby. Two, being that the Premier League was wrapped up so early by Liverpool, it felt like the FA Cup really took on this new importance that perhaps it hadn't had uh, in recent seasons um, with, you know, the magic of the FA Cup and all that. Sure. A lot of There were a lot of corners of the football world kind of, just disregarding these, these cup competitions and the FA cup is, you know, a legendary cup, really. I mean, an old one and just one that's very important to the, to the culture um, in England. So for all those reasons, and, and, and also for the fact that we won and that it it felt like there was a a new dawn, I guess, for, Mm -hmm. for Mikel Arteta and and for Arsenal, um, I, I would call that one my favorite and, you know, we played pretty well too. So it was a fun game to watch. Um, 
I mean, obviously things have gone a little pear-shaped since then, but you know, such is the life of an Arsenal fan. But yeah, I think that would that was my favorite. Um, what about you, Phil? I uh, I I'm gonna go like somewhat predictable as well. Um, and but it's it's specifically this was actually January 19th of 2020. So one of one of the first like three games of the new year. Mm. Um, but it was Liverpool to Manchester United nil at Anfield, um, where, uh, the last, the, the ceiling goal Liverpool were, I, and I, I want to say this partially to rub salt in the wound of any United fans listening, but also like, just because it's the truth, Liverpool absolutely dominated this game, like completely, Mm. um, it should have been and could have been like an absolute pasting and I wish it yeah. had been, but it led to one of my favorite moments ever as a Liverpool fan, which was um, Juan Mata attempts to play the ball like in an offside position as he's there, you know, United are throwing everything, trying to score the equalizer. Allison catches the referee chooses not to blow the whistle for offside because like Liverpool gained possession of the ball. So it's just like advantage basically. Mm. Allison finds Salah running in behind and he runs the length of the, you know, half the length of the field and finishes past David De Gea. Allison runs the length of the field to celebrate with Salah. And then the entire, you know, Anfield sings. Now you're going to believe us. We're going to win the league finally, like even though they had had this massive gap at the top of the, at the top (laughs) of the table for so long, they were petrified of saying it, but it finally felt like real at that point. Um, Not knowing obviously what the rest of the year would hold. So that match for the fact that, you know, it was there, it was a packed Anfield and it was this moment where everybody kind of had this, realization at the same time that this wait for the premier league was going to end and it was pre COVID. So it was, you know, it had this sort of, it almost seems like not real at this point. Mm. Um, it, it has that kind of quality to it. Um, just because seeing so many people together is such a strange sight, um, at this time of the year. So it's just a memory of like, a a less intense and just a more normal time uh, coupled with just an amazing moment like in Liverpool's history as well. So yeah, that's, it's gotta be it for me. Sorry. That's like a long winded answer, but no, a that's, lot going that's on. Crazy. Yeah. That's a great answer. And I think that was the match where a lot of casuals learned that you can't be offside in your own half. Yeah. <laughs> Salo was just, free um and you know if you didn't see the midline you're like there's no fucking way that's a goal yeah yeah. (laughs) um but it was uh it was just some really good heads up play from allison and and then uh thirst trapped for the uh yeah celebration yep yeah i'm not saying uh, i mind i'm just pointing it out (laughs) (laughs) mo mo like if mo could play shirtless i'm fairly certain he would um i mean (laughs) I know we could go there. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So that, uh, I hope that that answers the, the question, Christian, I would have chosen Liverpool's game against wolves that I actually attended, but that was December 29th of 2019. So, um, I just missed it. Yeah. I missed a like year kinda, and a day ago. My yeah. goodness. Yep. It feels like an eon. Um, but genuinely <laughs> goodness. Well, uh, Mika, we've got 2021 to look forward to, thankfully. Mm. Um, so I think maybe we'll take a quick break and then uh, then look ahead to some of the fixtures for the new year. For sure. Twenty twenty one is upon us. The new year, a fresh start, hopefully. Um, but plenty more football uh where we've where we've left off in twenty twenty. Um and in this first week um back and even even in these initial days after the new year, um, or even in some cases, like tomorrow leading up to the new year, um big matches all around Europe and starting off with a new year's Eve Basque Derby Real Sociedad versus athletic Bilbao. Whoa, wait a minute. That's tomorrow. I believe so. Oh shit. Hey, what's the match at? At 8 a.m. No, this is genuinely news to me. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, damn it. I'm going to be at work. I might play it in the background. But yeah. that, that's tasty. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I see. Well, okay. 6 a.m. here. Duh, you, were, you were thinking. Oh, my, time. my bad. <laughs> that's that's a big one. And it's one of the ones where like Real are actually the much better team at the moment. Mm-hmm. So very, very interesting indeed. Um, but that's going to be at semi miss. So um, fans or no fans, it's kind of hard to win there sometimes. So yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. The and. Another one where it's a little a little difficult to to visualize, I guess, without the fans being involved, because obviously it would be an intense uh, an intense atmosphere at San Mames without uh, with without the restrictions currently mm-hmm. in place. But um, but yeah, I mean, nevertheless, like especially with Sociedad at the moment, um, kind of needing. I don't know that they need a win in the sense that like they they'll still hang around this like top part of the table and the teams around them aren't, you know, like beating anyone like too handily or anything like that. But they kind of need a win just to arrest this like kind of malaise that they're in, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I think they're winless in at least their last five. And uh, I guess the one nice thing about La Real is they're not getting blown out. Um, they're still okay defensively, but I think it would be really nice to, if they could kickstart, I guess, going into to 2021 with a win over their biggest rival. But yeah, I, I think malaise is, is the good word for it. Um, but I guess everyone's malaise elsewhere in La Liga is much worse because they're still yeah. third. So. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, another, uh, another big match um, coming up. This time in England, the contenders, question mark, question mark, um, Manchester United on New Year's Day takes on Aston Villa. This 
not the simple fixture that it would have been in in past seasons. No, not at all. Aston Villa don't give a fuck. Like they, I mean, they've already blown out Liverpool, right? Yeah, um, yeah I can a confirm. Lot, <laughs> being a lot of good sides and deserved it. Um, yeah, it's they're a scary prospect at the moment. Um, they're attacking as they usually do with El Ghazi, Grealish, and all that. But Emmy Martinez is also lights out. He's had, had like four shutouts in the past five or a handful of games or something like that. Um, miss you, Emmy. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be a huge one. So yeah, I guess, I guess we can test United's title credentials immediately with this one. So, and, yeah. and Aston Villa's too, I guess. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're up there. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm interested and I really do think that this is a, a, a pretty big test um, for for United and and if they can hang around uh, where they're at in the table right now. Uh, I'm not saying <laughs> that a win over Villa automatically means that they'll be, you know, up at the top um, or anything like that. But it is certainly um, it's a it's a test for them. And if they if they can pass it, then then we'll see. Um, but this is the sort of fixture, especially on New Year's Day, that trips teams up like yeah. a lot. Yeah, I can already see. Uh, uh, I can already see Fernie in the mention saying, "You know, beating Villa is not for everyone." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my so god! Be ready for that, dear one, god, Phil. dear god! Please deliver me, <laughs> deliver me from evil. Um, <laughs> uh, the the biggest, maybe one of the biggest rivalries and most recognizable rivalries in what in world football kicks off um, on the third, I think, uh, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the old firm Derby, Celtic versus Rangers, the Glasgow Derby, however you want to refer to it, one of the most intense rivalries in world football, um, and featuring a flip of the script uh of recent recent history in that rangers uh with steven gerrard at the helm are currently 16 points clear at the top of the scottish premier league that is yeah i mean the hats off to to steven gerrard he is doing fantastic they have not lost 19 wins two draws zero defeats in 21 matches in the scottish premiership um in a league that celtic walk every mm-hmm. year um until this year now celtic <laughs> do have three games in hand so i expect that that gap to close a little bit especially with whatever happens on saturday sure um but you know nevertheless shout out cvg because he's doing amazing work at rangers um, and I mean, their fans deserve it. They've been through a lot. I mean, they got relegated, so, um, they got, they got you know, like dissolved as a dissolved. <laughs> yeah. Like it, yeah, exactly. So, um, and it's going to be at the Ibrox. I wish fans could be there. Cause that's what really makes this fixture special. But yeah. I was saying during the break, I might actually set an alarm for this one just to see what Stevie G's Rangers look like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh it's on ESPN Plus as well. Um mm. so easily accessible to to most of uh most of our listeners, I think, um who who are watching Bundesliga and and the like uh Syria on on ESPN Plus, but um the thing that stands out to me when you look across like Rangers 
line this season, in addition to the fact that they're undefeated in 21 matches played, they've allowed five goals. How is that even possible? I mean, I know, I know <laughs> and, the premiership's not great, but and, Jesus. And scored 56 for a goal difference over 21 matches of 51. It's insane. Like, yeah, there's gonna, yeah, there's gonna be no tiebreakers in this league. No. <laughs> um, it's, it's nuts. And, um, I think maybe I'm thinking too far into the future, but I think that eventually, I think Steven Gerrard's going to take over at Liverpool. If not right after Klopp, then maybe after that guy. Um, but he's building himself a nice little career. And it, it's only a matter of time, I think, before someone in England tries and, and gets him in because he's been doing really incredible stuff. I, I think when he first started at Rangers, it was a, I guess, like a hesitance. Maybe some people thought he was a little out of his depth, but I mean, clearly mm-hmm. not at this point. And the Rangers have, put the faith in him and he's repaying that. And I think it would be really cool to see a different champion. Of course it's the other big club, but uh, it's still when Celtic have won like nine in a row or something, you'd say like, it's, it's time. It is. And uh, yeah, I, I just like for his sake, um, obviously, you know, the one like thing that, that really, hangs on on Steven Gerrard is his lack of a league title um in his playing career um so I think winning a league as a manager regardless of the fact that it is you know the Scottish Premier League and there are he he has certain advantages being at Rangers um he I think this would be quite the the feather in his cap and just uh, a a good jumping off point certainly we saw brendan rogers go you know from uh from england to celtic um for a a couple of years before coming back to leicester so it's very possible that we could see you know if there's some sort of like sustained success here from from gerard it's very possible that uh that even a, a big club in england could could be in for his services even if it isn't liverpool initially Mm -hmm. yeah just for fun, where do you think if you know if not Liverpool, where he might fit? Well, he'd never go to United because okay. that would be like. I mean, I don't think he would go. I don't think yeah. he'd go to Everton. So that so that's out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starting to narrow it down slightly. Uh, I think. Um, I mean, as weird as it is, like Leicester feels like the right level. But mm-hmm. Brendan Rodgers obviously has kind of a, a handle on Leicester at the moment. Um, right. But maybe one of those teams that's sitting like just outside, maybe Villa, like in if Villa stabilize, Ooh. like maybe he could, maybe he could go. That's fun. Go to Villa. Like if they, if they are sitting in the top half for a, a couple of years and maybe want to make a little bit of a leap or, or if, uh, because Dean Smith obviously is doing a hell of a job. I'm not saying he should be out, but um, mm-hmm. but if he you know ever does depart, then mm-hmm. maybe that's like the sort that. of profile that they could they could go after. I like that. I think maybe I don't know why, but maybe Southampton too. Yeah, that could be fun. I think it's removed enough from like 
any connections to Liverpool and right. you know South Coast <laughs> and uh, obviously St Mary's and, and Southampton's academy. I mean, he's shown that he he can work with the young players, and I mean, then just you know funnel those players to Liverpool. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. I think we're a little bit of a ways off from that, but I, I yeah. see I see somebody in England trying to poach him soon. Yeah, well, I mean, let's face it if his if his uncle was Harry Redknapp, he'd already have the Liverpool job. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, um, that's a uh, yeah. Anyways, Frankie, fat Frankie, unfortunately. Um, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, old firm, old firm Derby. It is seven thirty Eastern, so yeah, five thirty Mountain Time. For those of you out out in the desert, unfortunately, um, on Saturday the 2nd. So I misspoke. Not on Sunday. Um, So Saturday Saturday. morning. um, Yeah, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff. You're going to try and catch it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I love... It's one of those... Because there's a lot of rivalries out there that get played in the stands, if you will. Like, the clubs are so massive and there's so much, like, disconnect, I would say. Mm. Um, in some cases between the local rivalry and the people who are actually playing in it that yeah. at times like it's kind of lost um, the intensity and stuff. Rangers and Celtic, it seems like it doesn't matter at all. Someone is like flying into tackles. They're getting in each other's face. There's like near fights on the touchline. Like it's just it has that old school vibe of like a Darby that would have played out in like the 80s during like peak hooligan whatever <laughs> like periods where you know people were like setting the terraces on fire and you know, <laughs> for that sure sort of thing. yeah for sure um so definitely gonna tune in uh for that certainly some memes out of it and hopefully hopefully stevie can get one over on on celtic as well um but uh the last the last one that kind of caught my eye so Serie A is playing a full like fixture list where every single team in the division is playing on sunday um the third and there's a couple of mm-hmm. interesting matchups sprinkled in there but the one that's like really caught my attention it's right there near the top. At- Atalanta Sassuolo. Yeah, lit. I hope yeah. it ends like 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Obviously, two teams that love to just score at will. Um and and Sass, man, fourth right now, mm-hmm. trying to get trying to be the new Atalanta and get into <laughs> Europe. So that that is a lot of fun. I like that one too. And that's at a more reasonable time for me, Sunday at seven. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll probably get up for that one too. Yeah. Um, and uh, the rest of the division, it's kind of like teams that are spaced out. It's, mm. So it's not, it's not quite as captivating as, as that potential matchup, but Atalanta, Atalanta in really good form too. Sassuolo has been the better team in terms of like league performance this season, but Atalanta's in, in a really good vein of form. So it's, I think it's just a really fascinating, uh, matchup and both teams, like you said, scoring, uh, free scoring sides. So it'll be, hopefully, um, it'll live up to the billing, uh, of, uh, yeah, a, a interesting, uh, an interesting match day. Well, I mean, 
yeah, happy new year to everyone with a bunch of fixtures to be able to tune in for, um, (laughs) the, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting end of the 2021 season as we've hit that kind of halfway point, um, or approaching the halfway point in many of these, in many of these leagues. So stuff hopefully will start to kind of shake out. Although this season is feeling like it's going to stay pretty, ambiguous in most of these leagues until pretty late on. Yeah. I mean like every, every major league has a title race yeah. for once. So that's cool. I do. <laughs> uh, well, United actually, I think United actually ruined this by going second, but there was a period of time over the weekend um, where in the three, in, you know, three of the big leagues, um, the premier league, uh, La Liga and Serie A, the top two teams were all fr- were each from the same city. So mm. Liverpool and Everton were one and two. Um, AC Milan and Inter Milan were one and uh, are one and two in Serie A, and and Real Madrid and Atleti um, in the top two spots in La Liga. So a, a little bit of symmetry um, across <laughs> across Europe, um, and like it is actually wild. <laughs> the like six. It's like hand clasp meme um, of like a bunch of people, but yeah, like three cities, all kind of, uh, all kind of Liverpool, Milan, and and uh, Madrid, all going through a, a renaissance at the moment, a footballing renaissance, for sure. And uh, I guess none none more potent at the moment than AC Milan, Inter Milan, because um, that looks like it'll be a genuine race, like down to the wire between two, you know two crosstown rivals like the good old days i love it and you are in sixth like just <laughs> injected the scenes injected yeah i had to dust off the old syringe <laughs> <laughs> oh man well mika as we as we get ready to close things out we always add uh, a couple of songs to our sounds of the season playlist um mm-hmm. spotify playlists how how is it shaping up for you how are you enjoying it how can folks find it? I I mean, I love it because sometimes, you know, I think all, a lot of times people open up Spotify and we just don't know what to listen to. There's just too much. So <laughs> when I don't know, I could just throw this on and I know I'm going to like every song. So mm-hmm. it's uh, like Phil said, the sounds of the season, season one playlist. You can find it on Spotify. Just search sounds of the season or search hardcore football. And the playlist should come up along with um, the podcast too. So um this playlist is a monster. It's like three and a half hours now. Um, and so it's a good little collection of just alternative pop punk, rock, screamo, emo, hardcore, post hardcore, like just, oh, yeah. just all, all this stuff that we like. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And Mika, I mean, your two additions this week, what did you, what did you go for? Yeah. So, I mean, I always, I tend to go on the nose more often than not. I've gone first with uh, a song called Jet Black New Year by Thursday um, for obvious reasons. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I mean, this song is one of my favorite Thursday songs. And actually, I was in a band called Jet Black New Year, like very nice, briefly. Nice. Uh, <laughs> we're very original, obviously. <laughs> um, and then my second one is a song called Drunk by Dayseeker. Um Dayseekers are just uh, one of the newer bands in the post-hardcore scene and one of the best vocalists, I think, out there right now. 
um, is the, you know, sings for Dayseeker. And I mean, this song has a line in it that says, um, you know, so stay drunk till the, to the year ends, which I think given everything we've all been through, I'm sure a lot of us probably will be doing that. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, by the time you're, by the time anyone is hearing this, it's, you know, probably the 31st um so not much longer to go to achieve that feat uh of of staying (laughs) drunk till the new year um right if you're not already on that streak at the moment um exactly and i mean no judgment from us if you are no that's fine none at all (laughs) tell us about your choices phil yeah absolutely um so number one um I I included a song the way the news goes um by by periphery um a lot of these results this week had me uh kind of like yep that's just it's sometimes how it shakes out sometimes you know <laughs> you don't get don't get the joy um and uh that's actually in particular I think a Rick and Morty quote um anyways uh yeah (laughs) that's That's the way the news goes anyway it's like one of his fake catchphrases anyways um (laughs) periphery is also just one of those bands that i'm like continuously in awe of in terms of like songwriting so it's metal uh like very progressive just like the ability to combine like the the melody along with very technical like instruments and all that stuff. It's just, it's amazing. So I just, I really love that band. Um, and, uh, that song in particular is just like unbelievable. And then my other song, um, is a a song called siren song, um, by a band called the ghost inside. Um, the ghost inside, uh, well, so siren song I put in there for Pochettino because, okay. PSG, is a little bit of a like, I mean, whatever metaphor you want to use, poison chalice, like it's very enticing, like a siren, but sometimes you end up, you know, shipwrecked like Tuchel is. Oh shit, that's deep. So siren song, maybe he's getting pulled in a little bit by by the project at PSG, and hopefully for him it turns out okay. Um but uh the ghost inside another one of my of uh just a a long time favorite band of mine um and uh a little more traditional like of a kind of a hardcore um band i guess um mm-hmm. or a little more along those lines um hardcore and metalcore a little bit but um that's just a a really a really good one with a nice uh a nice breakdown which for those who have actually like listened to the playlist will probably see that theme i guess throughout a lot of my selections in that they have like a really heavy breakdown like throughout them because i just i especially now uh miss those days as i tweeted today you know i haven't been called a motherfucker by a 22 year old in a long time um in a crowded room with a bunch of other people um so i just miss i want concerts back you know i want to be like i want to be screamed at by by some shitty little kid yeah remember when it was normal to have like poland springs like spat on you (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think back to those days and just like yeah yeah it's like "Mm, patient zero yeah (laughs) (laughs) we were just giving each other covid with with reckless abandon um yeah 
No, that's I miss a- shows too. I took them for granted, man. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, we will we will get them back. Uh, I'm I'm confident. Um, yeah. But it will it will be a while, unfortunately. I think. But yeah. the like we talked about, I, I think it was episode one. Like that energy is the same. It's like matches coming back, shows coming back, all those live events. Like where we get to share an experience is just like yeah lacking right now. And hopefully, hopefully, it's sooner than later that we get it back. I hope so, man. Vaccine dropped. Hype beast. Yeah. <laughs> Seen some vaccine PS5 combos out there. Like, get him while it's hot. I, don't know. <laughs> I kept, joking, I, I keep but, refreshing. Uh, I keep refreshing Walmart's website trying to get, trying to get the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to hell. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's we got to laugh about it at some point. Like, you got to, you got to laugh or you'll cry. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> Well, like we said, I guess we should probably probably wrap this thing up before we say anything more offensive. Uh, we get like well and truly canceled. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, uh, I I hope you guys have enjoyed um, the episode and hopefully you're laughing along with us and not um, like calling the authorities. Um, but our uh, <laughs> I, I hope you have enjoyed. And like I said, you can, you can find us um, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, so subscribe, follow along, you know, engage with us on, on social media, particularly Twitter at, at HXC football. Um, we talk about all kinds of random stuff, more, more stuff than we can even cover on this podcast. Um, so, um, so yeah, follow along there and, and get engaged. And uh, we always have a lot of fun chatting with everybody. Aside from that, Hope everyone has a healthy and safe new year. And here's to 2021, not sucking total ass. So cheers to that. Happy new year, everyone. Stay safe. See ya.